if you've ever said either of these things, accounting is so intimidating, I just let my bookkeeper take care of it, or I look at my P&L, but I don't really understand what I'm supposed to do with all this information, then this episode is just for you. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So most business owners I work with are either intimidated by the P&L and avoid it at all costs, Uh, or they don't understand it well enough to use it as a decision-making and progress reporting tool it should be, or they completely outsource the responsibility uh, of monitoring it altogether. Um, I was recently working with a client named Jackie who had not looked at her P&L for about nine months. Um, By the time I got involved, about six months in, um, so much damage had been done because she had not been aware that she was losing money. Um, And it's going to take a significant amount of time to, to overcome this. Um, it's a real problem. So, um, just, this is not one of those things where it's, uh, it's better to just avoid it and hope that it's, it's uh, going to be okay. Um, we have to know the math. The math does not care if we know the math. Um, the math will absolutely though dictate if we make it or not. This is one of those areas in business where, um, we may not like what we see. We may not fully understand it, but we better figure it out anyway. Um, so this is just not something we can afford to ignore. We have to at least have a basic understanding of it, um, or have somebody on staff who has a pretty good understanding of it and who who can take care of this. One of the things I've seen though, is people, uh, business owners specifically, um, have a bookkeeper, um, or sometimes a CPA who quote unquote does the books. Um, and the business owner will have the assumption that the CPA is reading the P and L and paying attention to that. Um, and would alert the business owner if something catastrophic were happening or if they were losing money or whatever. Well, unless there's some kind of agreement, a specific agreement between the parties where the CPA has said, yes, I'm going to take responsibility of reading your P&L, which would be unusual. Um, they're not doing that. They assume the business owner is taking care of that. So it's not unusual to have a situation where the business owner assumes the CPA is taking care of this responsibility of reading the P&L and, and making sure the company's profitable. And the CPA has is under the assumption that the business owner is taking care of it. That's a pretty uh, common situation. So if you're in the, in the camp where you have a, a CPA or bookkeeper, quote unquote, doing the books, um, we got to get pretty clear and specific about whose responsibility is it to do what. Who ultimately has responsibility for um, reading the P&L and making sure the company is profitable? Now, I can assure you the bookkeeper and CPA are going to say, uh, that's the business owner's job. (laughs) And I could could understand that. Um, On the other hand, there's times where business owners don't know and they have the the, the ability to hire somebody to take care of it. So I I could fully support that. Um, What I don't support is assumptions where both parties um, believe the other person is doing it. So... um, 
this is just not, this is one of the seven deadly defects, like not having money to pay the bills and, and going broke is one of the seven deadly defects. We have to pay attention to this. Um, so while there's a number of things I could talk about when it comes to reading a PL to make it less intimidating and a more useful, useful tool for you, um, going over all that would take, you know, at least an hour. Uh, it wouldn't take five hours. It, you know, we can, we can go through it pretty quickly, but it would take about an hour probably for me to go and hit all the, th- all those things. Um, which is obviously more time than we have here. So I'm just going to go over some basic information, which will hopefully help you. Um, my goal is just for this to be a less intimidating thing. Reading a PL should not be intimidating. Uh, the PL, you know, reading it should take less than 15 minutes tops, like hopefully five minutes or less. And one of the things that I would really encourage folks is just to understand the PL should answer all your financial questions. The PL should not, um, create questions. So you should not look at your PL and go, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> or what's in this category? Um, it should answer all the questions. This is the tool that's supposed to give clear inf- clear information about what is, what's going on, how much money is being spent on what. Um, this is not the tool to, to prompt investigations. That is not what it's supposed to be. Now, I understand for some folks that is what it is. Um, they'll look at things and go, Hmm, that seems to be really, you know, shop supplies went up $10,000 this month. What is in shop supplies? Well, it shouldn't be that. We should know what is in these categories. We should know what, what we're looking at when we see this document. So this is supposed to be a quick tool to give us a progress report and tell us what's working and what's not working. Were we hitting our goals? Were we not hitting our goals financially? It should not prompt questions. So just kind of fundamentally, I'd hope you would get, you know, just kind of come to grips with that, that this is supposed to answer questions, not prompt them. Um, the next thing I would say is let's commit to taking time to read this thing at every month after the month closes. So one of the things I recommend is having a, an agreed upon date with whomever is doing your books, whether that's an internal accounting department or an external bookkeeping service or whatever, um, and having a day of the month that we agree upon that the the month, the previous month shall close by this date, whether it's the 5th or the 8th, or the 10th, um, you know, I would want to make it the, the 25th of next month, uh, but it's not reasonable for it to be the first or second or third either. So we got to figure out what's a reasonable amount of time for the books to get closed. And on this date, whatever it is, the 8th or 10th or whatever, on this date, I should know I can look at the books and be 100% sure that the information on here is accurate. And then I have to take the time to actually read this thing every month. Like this is one of the things where we cannot get familiar with it. We cannot enhance our skills and and learn what we don't know if we just avoid it. Um, so just carve out one day a month to spend a half an hour looking at this thing. If if something you're not familiar with at all, then maybe carve out an hour to look at it. Like uh, we got to get familiar with this document. And the goal is to get where we can glance at it in five minutes or again maybe fifteen minutes tops. You can have a handle on what's going right, what's going wrong, and we're moving on to something else. This should not be a laborious process. Now, learning it could take some time, but once you have it, this this should not be a time-consuming endeavor to to look at your PL. It literally should take five minutes, up to fifteen. Um, the next thing I would recommend is figuring out for your industry what should be in your cost of goods sold and what your target gross margin should be. So, cost of goods sold is. Um, you know, those are the things that are direct expenses. Uh, they go, they're tied directly to providing the service you provide. Overhead expenses would be anything where if you didn't run a single call, you didn't take a single job, you didn't invoice a single job, you didn't have a single customer for a month, 
overhead expenses is all the bills you would still have. So uh, this would be, you know, your rent, obviously, and and medical insurance and you know taxes and you know all that kind of stuff. So these are things that you have whether you run calls or not. Um, uh, direct expenses, which are also ca- called cost of goods sold, these are things that are tied directly to providing your service. Um, so what I would recommend is finding out what is what is that arrangement? What is a cost of goods sold in your industry? There are certain things like cell phones that you could make a you could make a pretty compelling case either way that cell phones are overhead um, because you have the bill um, whether or not you're running calls. On the other hand, you you know these are tied directly to um, running calls. You wouldn't need cell phones if you didn't have people out in the field running calls. So sometimes you're going to run into a situation like that where a judgment call might be made. Now, in my my opinion, cell phones would be overhead expense. It would not be a, a direct expense. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what your industry standard is because one of the things you want to do is establish a gross margin um, that you're going to aim for. So you have a top-line number revenue and you have a bottom-line number profit. Those are generally the two things that everybody looks at first on a P&L and everything else in the middle seems to be just a bunch of hodgepodge of numbers. Um, I would argue that, that perhaps the most important number on the P&L is your gross margin. Um, because most of the things you can really have dramatic impact on uh, are direct expenses, labor, of course, job materials, you know, supplies and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I would think, I think that the, the gross margin is probably the most important um, number on the P&L. If you have a good gross margin, I can guarantee you're going to have a, a, a good uh, bottom line number, unless you're doing some kind of crazy expense on advertising or something like that, or your rent's way out of control, which is unlikely. But in most cases, if your gross margin's in good shape, you're 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 going to have a healthy bottom line, also. Um, so, but my point is, we can't have if you're a, a you know. Last week I talked about carpet cleaning companies. I'll, I'll talk about that again. So, if you're a carpet cleaning company in Las Vegas. And you say, well, I, I, you know, I want to shoot for a 60% gross margin. Um, and because I heard that somebody in Massachusetts is doing really well and they have a 60% margin. Um, if they're, if there are things that they include in their cost of goods sold are not the same as yours. Like, for example, if they include their cell phone bill in that category and, and you do not, it's not apples, apples anymore. So you can't compare the gross margin anymore because what's in the cost of goods sold is not the same for both parties. So it's really important if you're going to try to figure out what an industry standard is, what is a reasonable goal for you, um, for your your uh, gross margin, which you should. You should have a goal for that. Then you should know what that should be. You also then have to know what should be included in that calculation. What's a direct expense to hit that, that uh, gross margin? Um, so this may take some doing. You may have to ask your CPA. You may have to ask an industry association you belong to. Um, you may have to ask a friend who lives in a different state or, you know, maybe, maybe even somebody who local that you trust would give you a straight answer. And we're not asking for the secret sauce on anything. We're just asking, what are the, what are the things you include in your direct expenses? What do you include in a cost of goods sold expenses? Um, you know, it's generally going to be eight or 10 things. It's not going to be 50. So this is, this should be pretty quick. Um, so that's the first and foremost thing is figuring out what the gross margin should be. So to be clear, the gross margin is the percentage. When you're looking at your P&L, you got gross profit, which is a dollars, and you got gross margin, which is the percentage over on the right. When you're looking at the, the cost of goods sold there. Um, and then the next thing is to make your P&L easier to read. Here's how I kind of classify the, the data you're going to see on there. Again, you got a million things. You got top line. I care about the gross margin a lot. Then you got the bottom line. 
and then you've got you know sometimes hundreds of other numbers on the on the PL and it can just seem overwhelming. So to quickly like get through the things that don't don't matter as much, I classify things four ways. First of all, what are the things I can't do anything about? Well, I can't do anything about B&O taxes. So I really don't care about that. I mean, I care about it, but I don't care about it when I'm looking at the PL. I can't do anything about it. So why am I even paying attention to this? So I will literally go through until I, I memorize these categories and have to know intuitively with, without having to, remind, have to have reminders what to ignore, I'll go through and just put a line through, like literally draw a line through anywhere it says taxes. I can't do anything about that. So why am I going to worry about it? I'm not going to consume uh, um, energy and, and brain power trying to figure out the percentage of B&O tax because I can't change it. So who cares? Um, the next thing is I look, I, I put an A next to or scratch out things that I should evaluate once a year, like advertising. I'm not going to make a month-to-month decision on advertising, probably. Uh, I'm not going to make a month-to-month decision on rent. You know, there, there are certain things that you just you just don't make month-to-month decisions on. So you'll know as you go through, uh, categorize things that you should look at annually and maybe set, schedule, you know, once a year you're going to do it in January, December, June, whatever month you want. Um, and it may not be the same for all categories. Some things you may have to look at at different times of year. But these are things you're going to look at annually or, you know, at least you're going to look at every five years. Like, you know, you can't change your rent month to month in most cases. Um, and then you have, I think, the, after you have removed everything you can't do anything about and you've removed the things that you can only deal with, you know, or only should deal with once a year, you're left with two things. You have all things that are high impact, uh, or I'm sorry, high influence. Some have low impact, meaning they're not, the dollars are not very significant, and some things have high impact. So the last two categories would be high influence, low impact. Um, this would be things like if you're spending $300 a month on office supplies, well, you can have a lot of influence on that, but it doesn't have much impact on the bottom line. So who cares? Um, and then the fourth category, of course, is high influence, high impact. Um, and generally, when you've, when you've gone through the other three and you've kind of eliminated things you can't do anything about, you've, you've kind of made a note to come back to the things you deal with annually, and you've eliminated the things that um, are high influence but low impact, you're going to be left with somewhere between four and eight categories of things that really you can influence dramatically and um, have a great, you know, significant impact on the bottom line. Um, you know, oftentimes that's to me wages, shop supplies, job materials, that kind of thing. So um, that's how I do it. I just kind of break them down into those four categories. Um, but the first thing is, even if you're intimidated by this, commit to once a month reading the PL after the month closes, you know, get that date that you can, you can be assured that the information is good. Nothing worse than looking at your PL at the end of the month and woohoo, we made $40,000 last month. And then somebody comes and says, Oh yeah, yeah. We had to add this invoice for $26,000. <laughs> you're down to only making 14,000 or whatever. Um, those, those are tough. So don't set yourself up for that. Um, and then the most important thing I think for, for most service companies is learning what should be in, in your cost of goods sold get with your CPA, a, a peer you trust, an industry association, and find out what that gross margin target should be for your industry, or at least one that you can shoot for in your company. Um, I think that's really important to have that singular number um, to aim for because most you're going to find that most of the things you have that are high influence, high impact are going to be in the cost of goods sold there. So uh, again, take the time to read every month. After the month closes, learn what should be in your cost of goods sold and your tar- target uh, gross margin. And then break it down into four categories, um, things I can't do anything about, things I should evaluate once a year, things that are high influence, low impact, 
and things that are high influence, high impact. And you're generally going to end up with about four to eight categories that really pay, you should really pay attention to. And, um, and then that'll get you started at least. You know, again, I could spend a lot of time talking about other nuances and, and more sophisticated topics about, about how to read a PL. But if you stick to those things, um, you're going to be on the right track. It'll make it a lot easier and less overwhelming, less intimidating. So that's it for this week. Um, as always, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague if they're a business owner in the service industry. We're trying to help as many folks as we can. Uh, our audience is growing. I sure thank you guys for who have passed this along. I appreciate that. Um, we're nowhere near where we want to be, though, so we got lots of room to grow. So if you could uh, pass us along to anybody you know who who um, owns a service industry, that'd be awesome. And give us a rating review if you haven't already. Thanks a lot to the folks who have. We really appreciate that. And that's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week.